0: is the Issue Window with Albie and Brittany. We are airing out the laundry to clean your soul. Just kidding. You're going to leave with more stains than when you entered. Listen at your own risk. Good morning. Welcome to the Issue Window. It's a good day today. We actually have uh, Matt Oliver from detroit country day with us today how you doing matt
1: good morning i'm doing great thank you so much for having me
0: it's uh it's great to have you here this morning you awake over there albie
2: i'm i'm wide awake and chipper
0: you're probably yeah you are you're probably more wide awake than i am Hmm. those of you that don't know me i'm not a morning person i don't know why i'm doing a morning podcast but you know it's pretty good no, today uh, Matt's joining us, and do you have COVID update from from Detroit, there, Matt?
1: You know, well, I guess I can only speak directly on what's going on with me. I know if you anybody pays attention to the news, Michigan as a whole looks pretty eerie, and it uh, it definitely is affecting us as much as anyone, I guess, around the world, and it's it's a tough thing. But, uh, me personally, I know we at Country day, our staff, I just had a meeting with my athletic directors last week, and he informed me that we were on day forty two of uh, quarantine and shutdown. so it, uh <laughs> i can I can definitely tell you I would have never guessed that. You lose track of days and times, you know, um it's no longer looking forward to the weekend or whatnot. It's just day by day or whatnot. So, when he said forty two days in, I thought, Oh my goodness, that's uh, that's un- that's unreal. Um, which I guess is probably the best way to this. Des- probably the best way to describe what's going on in the world right now It's just unreal.
2: Forty-two days and no end in sight. Yeah, uh, sadly, you might be right. Yeah, I, you know, I know in Ohio here we're planning to. He's going to change things up on Monday. The government's going to change things up on Monday, but I don't know. You know, I think he's going to allow a few businesses to open. And it's all speculation at this point, but I. You know, I don't know with students not coming back to campus and 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 our campus already said summer classes are going to be online. i i I don't know how much longer you know I'll be working from home too. yeah, it everything's, I think a big question, Mark, because I know obviously we the
1: the tough thing for us was is they shut everything down. We were in the midst of finishing up a winter season, um, yeah state finals for hockey, uh, playoffs mm-hmm. for basketball and whatnot. And when they shut it down, everything was to be determined, to be determined. And it seemed like they were taking things at three weeks at a time, whereas we'll give you an update in three weeks. And they never went ahead and fully called off anything or canceled anything. I think obviously just to you know keep hope alive and, hey, we're going to get through this, but without knowing just how severe everything was. And so those three weeks would approach and then they would extend it a little bit more. And I know uh, our government and our uh, governor had to come. I'd, I don't know if we were one of the first, but we were pretty early on in the whole uh, stay home, don't go out kind of executive order where you're not allowed to go out unless, of course, you need something essential from the store or whatnot. And uh, she put a time frame on it and it was set for the end of April. And we're approaching the end of April Well, she just went ahead and extended it another two weeks into May. Uh, kind of like you said, though, slowly starting to open back up a few more things that would be considered um, a little bit more essential, but still trying to just control it. And obviously, during that time, they went ahead and they called off school and they called off the rest of the spring season and whatnot. And so it just, it's kind of almost like one set of bad news after another and with no real answer of, Hey, I, and, and I get it. It's hard to know. So to to say, you know, we can, we can end it on this. Like it's, it's just not, so it's frustrating for everybody. And I, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes to have to make the decisions that they've made, but we do what we, do what we can do. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: So uh, spending pretty well, you know, 24 hours at home, you know, seven days a week, how's that kind of affected you personally, like your, your home life and everything? Has has that been a big adjustment?
1: Well, on a personal note, uh, despite the unfortunate feelings and things that come with this lock-in, it's actually been very beneficial for me. Um, I have Two young kids at home, they're twins, a boy and a girl. They just turned two yesterday. And based on my demanding schedule with being an equipment manager and my wife is a strength and conditioning coach, so our schedules were always very much good morning, good night type of schedules. Uh, We would see each other briefly in the morning or at night, depending on who was getting on, who was getting off the situation, who was picking the kids up, who wasn't picking the kids up um, and a series of exchanging of information like, okay, this individual has, uh, had their diaper changed. This individual has <laughs> had food. This person needs this person, this, and this person, when are you going to be home? I don't know. I might be home sometime between this time and this time. Okay. Have a good day. I love you. And that was life as we knew it. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of people can relate to that, I'm sure. Um, and now that, uh, we've had this shutdown, we have become to kind of say it in a joking manner, we've become a traditional family. We go to bed together, we wake up together, we eat meals together. So it's been been very good in that sense because we've really gotten to uh, just sink into home life and especially having twins. A lot of times when you're trying to do it all by yourself, it can be a little bit of a juggle, especially when they're this age. And so I've actually kind of gotten spoiled. I was telling my wife this the other day that I don't know if I want us to go back to work because then I'm going to have to go back to bath time by myself or mealtime by myself. And it's nice to have somebody there who you can rely on because we've sort of set up a nice little routine that uh, we've gotten into now.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, so they, uh, they just actually had a birthday party on Saturday. I mean, obviously that probably wasn't, you didn't do what you might have originally, but... Um, how'd you celebrate at home?
1: You know, we obviously through the wonderful world of FaceTime and Zoom and all the technology that we have, we have the ability to still see family. So of course we invited everybody that we could on our screen and uh, threw them all up on the screen and sang happy birthday and did, uh, did take and presents and whatnot. And uh, the kids do a pretty good job of recognizing on the screen, oh, that's grandma, that's uh, grandpa, so to speak. Um, we did that and then we were fortunate that the weather was nice enough. So we got outside and got to play with the new toys and just tried to make it feel as if it was a little bit, uh, different than a normal day because I mean, we like, we have a routine I say that we follow every single day, but since it's their birthday, you know, we, you know, we were a little bit more lax on, uh, uh manners and just wanted to let them just kind of roam around and have fun and do their thing. And <laughs> it turned out to be, turned out to be a really good day we uh we made a sign that i stuck in the front lawn that said honk for our twins it's their birthday today and that was cool because we have a great community with a lot of young kids around and so people would come by and honk on the horn and we'd get excited for the kids And oh look they're they're honking for you they know it's your birthday and so it uh you know i can't say whether or not uh in several years they'll look back on it and remember it i'm sure we'll have uh good stories to tell them and obviously we'll have picture and video proof of it but um it uh it, it turned out to be a really fun day probably even more fun for the parents than uh than the kids themselves so. <laughs> Right. yeah
0: <laughs> i mean at that age you know sure that sign in the front yard's a great idea though
1: well you know it's uh and the funny thing was is uh being an equipment manager you kind of just have a random collection of things that you haven't thrown away because you never <laughs> know when you're going to need them and so i made it with um some old uh cardboard that I had from football helmets from reconditioning and turf uh, field paint for marking athletic fields. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love it. (laughs) Love it. Well, uh, it's really great to like have you here today. You know, it's not every day that we get to like talk to somebody that works on equipment in like the high school level. Um, I mean, it's Becoming, you know, more common, but, you know, gosh, it's, it's needed more and more. Would you like to touch on how you got into equipment management?
1: Yeah. Actually, I've always kind of said I, I fell into equipment backwards. Um, <laughs> and that is a lot of the people who I've met over the years uh, that are in equipment management all have a typical story of they started as a equipment manager, or a student manager, maybe at the high school level or the college level and worked their way up mm-hmm. from there. I believe it or not, didn't discover equipment management until after I was graduated with my degree in college. Um, I was an athlete growing up in high school, never anything outstanding, but played sports because I love sports and my friends did it and whatnot. Knew I wanted to do something in athletics, but honestly had no idea that equipment management was really even a thing. And so I got my degree in physical education and coaching and health because I thought, well, I can still be involved in sports. Uh, something I really, really enjoy, and I started to do that, and every position that I had, I had a handful of uh, teaching jobs because I did a lot of moving when I was um, young in my career, and every school I went to and whatnot, obviously, you know, it was at the high school level, and there was always a time when you needed to hand out your uniforms and, you know, take care of equipment and whatnot, and uh, naturally, I'm just a pretty organized person, and I kind of just took that upon myself to do it, and I really, really started to enjoy it. And one day, randomly, I just said, I wonder if there's a job where there's something more specific like this. So I think I went to Google and typed in athletic manager or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And the first thing that popped up was the AEMA website. And it was in the old format. This was a few years, several years ago. I think back in 2000, gosh, I want to say it was 2010, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, came across a, I came across a job that they had posted online for a GA spot at uh South Dakota state for football. And I applied just, you know, no experience, but talked a lot about what I did in my resume. Long story short, I was offered the job, but I was not able to take the position because I had some other things going on in my life on a personal level that just did not allow me to pick up and leave. But I remember I went to the campus, had the interview, saw everything. And I just, instantly walking through said this is what I want to do and then it was only Uh after that I started to do more research and realized oh my gosh you I there's student managers and then they work their way up and Mm -hmm. I kind of learned the whole process and whatnot and so from that point on I had one goal and it was I got to find an equipment manager job but the issue was (laughs) that I didn't have any previous experience and so I've I applied and applied and applied to all these different Uh, Jobs and whatnot sometimes I heard back sometimes I didn't hear back blah 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 the story goes as I moved around I would work at different schools or if there was a local college I'd stop in and see hey can I volunteer my time anything I could possibly do to Get my hands on equipment management because it's what I wanted to do well Through all my traveling and whatnot. I got married along the way and ended up settling in Michigan Detroit country day was this private school high school and they had a job opening and again, I was kind of new to the idea of, oh, high school high school equipment manager. All right, well, I applied. Lo and behold, four years later, I'm finally a, <laughs> an equipment manager, and the rest is rock and roll history, I guess.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're seeing more and more equipment managers on the high school level. I mean, those kids, you know, need to be kept safe just as much as uh, on the college level. Do you know a lot of equipment managers that do high school, um, that manage high school sports? Um, or are you pretty well it for like kind of the private school l- league? I don't know if that's the correct term. It's probably not the correct term. Conference maybe?
1: You know what? I, I wouldn't know the correct term either. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I will definitely say since I became a high school equipment manager – I've started to learn more that, like you said, high school equipment management is becoming a much more uh, prevalent thing and that they, they, they do exist because I think people, especially large school districts, are seeing the, uh, the need for them. Now, traditionally, I think they're typically more found, at least full-time positions at the um, private sector as opposed to the public sector. Um, and I have met, uh, going to the conventions and whatnot, I have met several Uh, high school equipment managers um, who some have just gotten into it like myself and some have been there for years and years um, at the high school level. And again, that's just fascinating to me. I think, wow, again, I I just figured this was something that was always reserved for the collegiate level or the professional level, but Mm -hmm. you're exactly right. The, the, the need for it at the high school level is so important. If anything, even more so important uh, just from the safety standpoint alone, because since I have, um gotten into this position,, uh, the amount of education, obviously, you know you learn it yourself, but it's our job as equipment manager to educate our athletes and at the high school level educate parents as well. And sure. additionally with with my job, I actually also have to oversee the middle school as well because our building is six through twelve in one building. and so we have youth football. Um, so that's kind of the big one, and with football kind of being you know on the chopping block as far as, You know, young people or young kids not getting to play because parents are really nervous and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's very, very important to uh, educate them and educate them about the, you know, football is a safe game. It can be a safe game if it's done right, but uh, teaching them about the equipment and whatnot. And high schoolers, you know, they're teenagers, they have, they're very impressionable. (laughs) So they'll see whatever the pros are doing or they'll see whatever the college kids are doing and they'll see, you know, They'll see them lift their knee pads up over the top of their knees and they'll see them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stick that back plate out. Or they'll see them, you know, make all these adjustments. And, you know, every single fall I get into, you know, kind of arguments with them. And I say, listen, you can't do this for this reason. I don't care if yeah. you've seen it somewhere else. My job is to keep you safe. This is what you're going to wear. And um, it's, it, it it's just so important because we have to keep the athletes safe. And that's why it's, uh, such a, so, so, so valuable and so important to me as an equipment manager, first and foremost, to make sure that they understand why we're doing this and they can feel good about going at it, but mainly the parents can, you know, go to a game and not have to worry about, oh, is my son going to get hurt? Is my daughter going to get hurt? No. Trust that, uh, you know, they're going to play the game and they've been equipped properly and, you know, you can just enjoy that aspect of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I would think it's especially important to keep all those athletes from the minute that they start playing, you know, football, for example, in the correct safety equipment because they will get used to playing. It'll become their norm instead of them becoming, you know, adapting bad habits that, you know, then the collegiate equipment managers have to break. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: Well, and that's uh, that's also, a uh, you know, to kind of, Uh, piggyback on that point, I think as a high school equipment manager, if I have athletes uh, who end up playing at the next level, regardless if it's D1, D2, D3, NAI, junior college, whatever, if they move on to that next level and they're used to an equipment manager and they're used to uh, relying on that person and trusting that person and they can go forward and they can be familiar with uh, procedures like laundry but uh, fitting sizing and whatnot mm-hmm. I think that makes an equipment managers job at the next level a little easier I would imagine that working with that type of an athlete who's already accustomed to working with an athletic equipment manager would be would make it easier on them because they know that they're going to be used to that relationship and it's going to build that trust that is so important to have between an equipment manager and an athlete I would think it would build that trust a lot faster
2: and, and you know Matt you touched on a few good points there, but you know one you know being being an equipment person at your level at the high school level is is great and but you know sometimes it it's it's harder to do your job because you've limited resources and you find that in the division twos and threes and you know the FCS level and you know that they don't have the resources available to them that you see at the NFL and the in division one and the BCS level and so sometimes you got to be Dare I say a better equipment manager? Because you got to do the same thing with less, mm. and you have to get creative on how you do things. You know, and another another thing you touched on there is is the more and more importance of a high school equipment manager becoming. You know, it's becoming a greater and greater thing, and people don't realize that. You know, it, it, you know, the media touches on, oh, helmet safety for the NFL and college football, but where it's really vastly important it needed and important, you know, the proper helmet fitting is at the lower levels, your youth football, your high school football. I mean, I see a high school football someday sometimes, and I shudder at some of the things I see on the field. I mean, it's scary because they don't have a proper person to fit them, and so, you know, the parents parents are life, you know, they're, they're rightfully concerned for the kids' safety, but you know, on the same token, do they want their school district to hire to spend the money to hire somebody? certified to do that and, and you know it, it comes down to well you know school districts don't want to do that because that's you know another person they got to hire so on and so forth and and you know but it's really necessary i mean i i've i've had i had a grandfather that called me up and he wanted me to look at his grandson's helmet he was playing youth football and so he brought it in brought his grandson in and i and it's like you know, one it was too big for him start off we'll start we'll start there and you know I told him that and then the helmet was 13 years old it hadn't <laughs> been reconditioned oh. it had not been reconditioned in seven years
0: I shouldn't laugh that's terrible
2: and I told and I told the guy this and it's like you know listen it's I wouldn't I wouldn't put the kid in it, you know at the at the youth and the lower levels it, but you really you know but that's when the kids brains and helmet and and and, and skulls are developing and growing that's when they need the most protection. But yet you see that as the least amount of coverage and um, outrage being directed.
1: Oh, everything you said with regard to uh, just having that person there to fit, I, I could not agree more with. And I think about it constantly when I am fitting young athletes. Number one is not – there's just the, the amount of – unknown uh people people don't know uh that helmets need to be re- re- uh certified right every single year people don't people don't know that uh you know you get 10 years out of a football helmet if it's reconditioned properly and whatnot and then it need, i mean it's just i remember when i started playing football in fifth grade i remember equipment day um when it was your team's time <laughs> your, your team and your coaches went in and it was they weighed you first because you were either a striper. Or which meant you were going to be on the line, or you were a non-striper and you could be a quarterback or a defensive back or a running back or whatever. And then it was a series of, try this on. How does this fit? Is that okay? All right, go over to coach so-and-so and and get your helmet. Try this on. That fit all right? Yep, okay. And, you know, 30 kids were in and out the door in – 15 minutes because you know the next team was coming in and they had to get all their spots and that's just sure That's just what it was and then you move up to the high school level and it was kind of the same thing Coaches, you know, how's that fit? does That fit? Okay, and you know, maybe as an athlete you had a little bit more of a feedback like Oh, no, I'd like something a little bit looser. It feels tight Right sadly that probably still goes on in some places and that's like you said not everybody can afford to have somebody like uh, an equipment manager or just somebody trained to do that But it's so, so imperative because it's, I mean, it's, it starts there. If you have a properly outfitted individual and they're going to be safe, you know, then that you can feel good about it. You're not opening yourself up to lawsuits or anything like that. And then you can go forward. So, you know, to kind of touch on what I do again, I'm a staff of one, we've got sixth, seventh, and eighth grade football, and then we've got JV football and varsity football. Uh, equipment mm-hmm. issue day is very, very tough for me because sure. I have to do each and every single person individually. And to the credit of the people who I work with as far as coaches and other stuff, they always do such a good job of saying, can I help you? How can I help you? And I want so badly sometimes to say, yeah, can you fit them? But the problem is, is I can't do that because they they don't know what they're doing.
2: Exactly. And so,
1: you know, I'll, I'll tell, especially the younger parents or the parents of the younger kids, I'll say, listen, this fitting mm-hmm. is going to take... Depending, you know, on your kid and their size and their measurement, it's going to take a while. So, you know, I'm sorry if you're going to be waiting in line, but trust me when I tell you this is for their safety. Right, right.
2: Yeah, it's mind bowling what you see at the high school level. And I get that, you know, when I get when I get incoming freshmen come in, you know, I'll have certain kids will tell me, geez, I've never had a helmet fit me like this. And it's like, well, that's, that's the way it's supposed to fit. So, you know, and eventually they get... You know, you get the occasional it's too tight, and it's like you know, just just let it let it break in a little bit here, you know, and and usually after about a day or so, as you know, you know what they think is too tight actually becomes very comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, it's scary sometimes the things, and you know, I, and I hear stories, you know, and the big thing is now, and I'm sure a lot of other equipment managers have come across this too, is you know, they, they want the smallest shoulder pads available, and. and we get that, it's, and the industry has changed, and they've slimmed down. Obviously, you can look at films from, from the 90s even and see how much they've the shoulder pads slimmed down, and, and the manufacturers have done a very good job of doing that and keeping them very safe, yet too, because, you know, just new technology and things like that. But, you know, I've heard, I've heard stories of high school coaches ordering youth shoulder pads because they're cheaper. And, and you know, so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, Oh, you got to, sh- yeah. Oh, the kid likes it because he can move real well. Well, sure, but it's not really protecting him whole well. So, you know, that's one of the constant battles we get faced too is just with shoulder pads. And, and where that doesn't, you know, and deservedly so, that doesn't get the the attention that helmets do because it, it's a shoulder and not a brain, but, you know, it's an injury. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I definitely think that uh, when Noxie releases their new standards for shoulder pads, I, I think that's definitely going to seriously. Affect uh, inventory of some schools that people, ha- you know, of, of what they have, and oh yes. If, if they don't have an equipment manager there, I guess there would be not necessarily anybody there to say, hey, you know, you're not in compliance with, uh, you know, and that probably goes on right now with helmets and stuff too, which is it's it's sad, it's unfortunate, but all again, the more reason the importance of equipment managers at any level to make sure that listen, I I get it, you guys want to do this, but you can't tear that pad out of there just because it's a little yeah. more, it has to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. 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 You, you understand it. <laughs> it's a process. It's a process to get the kids to trust you and, and believe in you. And, 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 you know, it's but in the end, it's for their safety.
0: So I think you said previously, did you say 50 teams?
2: With all the sports that we have, if you include
1: like for I'll just use basketball, for example, our men's basketball program as a freshman team, a JV team and a varsity team. So that's three teams right there just on the men's side. And then, in, so that's inventory uniforms for those teams. So if you count up our sports and all of our individual teams, both on the men's side and the women's side, I, I, I think it's, say, actually, I think it's 52. I think it's 52 teams <laughs> just at the upper school. Mm-hmm. You include the middle school because middle school has sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, both boys and girls. You jump up to 74 individual teams. Oh, my uh, as far as, as far as how many athletes I'm outfitting, how many articles of – even if it's a minimum reversible uniform, a lot of our uh, younger teams, like our middle school teams, they don't have a home jersey and a way jersey. They'll have just a one uniform that is reversible, but it's still a top and a bottom that is issued to them and then comes back and whatnot.
0: Mm-hmm. So how many athletes overall? Do you have any idea?
1: You know – It's pretty sad that uh, I'm completing my fourth year and I still can't even tell you our enrollment of school or how many. I know that at our school, by requirement, all students have to have to participate in at least one sport throughout the academic year. It's their choosing. Um, So that means I see every kid in the school for a sport at some point. Um, But I still don't know for sure. I would venture a guess of, gosh, I don't even know maybe I'll just ballpark it and say somewhere between three and 500. If, uh, if anybody from my school is going to listen to this, they're probably going to say, man, you're nuts. You're not even anywhere near it. But sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it, it just, it, it, it it, it can feel that way. I just know that, uh, there's, there's a lot. (laughs) What,
2: what is your easiest
1: sport to fit Bat? Um, usually something like I'll just use high school because, I, I don't I don't want to sound. I don't want to make it sound like middle school doesn't count, but I mean, right. typically at the middle school level, I give them their equipment, they play the whole season, and then I get it back at the end. Whereas at the high right. school level, we have we have daily laundry and we have this and that and whatnot. So, um, one of the easiest ones is probably going to be like a track and field or a cross country just because a lot of the stuff that they end up doing, um they'll like their singlets and stuff they'll end up buying as opposed to me issuing and then getting it back uh just because it's it's simple it's something that they can purchase on a reoccurring thing and we haven't really changed that uniform style too much so they can buy it and use it for four years if they're going to be a four-year athlete or um you know that sort of thing
2: yeah Mm -hmm. what's your hardest sport to outfit hockey or football
1: uh you know that's that's it's a toss-up um i for me personally i would i would probably say just because of what i'm involved in specifically i would say football only because what we issue to them is different than what we issue to hockey because with our hockey team a lot of the equipment is on them it's what they've personally had before as a player or what they've used outside we don't issue um we'll 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 issue helmets to them of course and Mm -hmm. gloves and whatnot But as far as their own individual stuff, the majority of the time, they will come in and they will already have their own equipment. Now, I'll go through and I'll double check and make sure, hey, you know, how long have you been playing with this? Is this fitting you properly? No, you probably need to go out and do it or whatnot. But as far as football, that's head to toe, you know, helmet, shoulder pads, girdle, knee bag, all that sort of thing. So that's just overall uh, the more. Okay. Yep.
0: Okay. What's your favorite part of managing equipment?
1: My favorite part, obviously, I'm going to say that cliche answer of I love I love it all, even dirty laundry. Yes, I do. I, I do bring it on. It's just something that I really enjoy. But if I had to just pick one thing, like if, if, if I was told, okay, you're only allowed to do one thing in the equipment room, for me, it would probably be locker room setup. I, I can't speak for any other high schools. I've talked to some other high school equipment managers as far as what they do on game day. Do Some athletes will come to the window, grab their uniform, go play, and then return it and whatnot. Sometimes equipment, other equipment managers will set up their locker room. But for all of my sports, as much as time will allow me, I like to do a, a setup that they would see maybe at the collegiate level or the professional level. So I'll use football, for example, or hockey. Um, those are probably my two most time intensive sports in terms of I spend the majority of the time with those sports. And, um, so I love going into the locker room on game day. It's, you know, it's left. However it was left before previously with practice and I go to work, I turn on music and it's quiet time for me and I get to clean up the locker room and then I get to set up each individual stall, the exact same, paying attention to detail and making sure that every logo is, facing out and facing a certain direction or the shorts are hanging at a specific length or the helmets are faced this way, as opposed to that way. And uh, I always like to try and coordinate with my coaches and say, uh, if, if, are you okay with me doing this? And if so, is there something particular you want? And well, a lot of times they're just not, you know, at the high school level, again, they're not really accustomed to it. So they just want to make sure that uh, you know, the kids have what they need. And so they do a great job of trusting me. And so I usually have a for different sports. I'll have what I call my home setup or my away setup because unlike at the college level, we don't always have the advantage of having a locker room available to us at the place that we play at, at an away game. And if that's not the case, then I'll set up our locker room at home to have it be different than a home game setup, but still looks nice so that they can come in and grab all of their stuff or whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll I'll see I've I've got a Twitter account for my equipment uh, for my equipment room and I follow a lot of other equipment uh, rooms and I'll see different ideas and I'll take from that idea and I'll take from that idea and I'll say yeah this would look really cool this would look really cool. <laughs> and then I we don't do. like to tell my athletes what I'm gonna do I just I kind of do it and then I, the the next part of the enjoyment is always they come in and oh wow, this looks so good. And then you hear the thank yous and you're the, Oh, this is so cool. This is so good. And, you know, I mean, that, that right there, you know, again, at at the higher up levels, you know, they're used to that kind of thing. But for a high school kid, it's just something kind of new and unique to see. And and as any equipment manager will tell you, if an athlete looks good, they feel good, they're going to play good. And it starts right with the thing. So especially, you know, you got a big game on the line, you're nervous, your nerves are kind of coming in. You can walk into the locker room and whew, it already kind of sets the tone of wow. Okay, this is cool. This is my stuff is here. It's it's just I really I I could probably talk all day on it because I'm a real nerd about that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I I really really enjoy locker room setup and the uh, attention attention to detail that comes with it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Matt, you know, it's funny because when uh, when 40 years ago when I was in high school, okay, let me date myself, but yeah, 40 years ago when I was in high school we thought it was a big deal cuz we got one of the smaller buses to carry the equipment down by itself from the play, separate from the players and me and a couple other students would ride down with the bus driver and we'd have the equipment and and we'd get there maybe 5 or 10 minutes before the team and we'd set the bags out of the, out of the, out of the bus and and the players would come by and just pick things up as you know they'd pick their bags up and they thought that was great you know back then but uh, you know it, it's when i came back here to youngstown Eight nine years ago, whatever we, my first game back, I had an old high school friend, reach out to me. We was we was playing a te- we was playing a BCS team, and he asked if he could join us, and he was taking pictures and things like that. And he sure why not? You know he he would do a little photography and he thought it'd be cool. And it was good to see him again, and so he went down with us. We picked him up and he went down to a, down to the stadium, you know, and obviously we get there about six hours before the game or so to get everything set up. And uh, hey, and we got everything done. He says, "Holy cow, what is with these kids? I mean, these kids are spoiled. You, they walk in and everything's set up for them. And man, that's he, he thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread." And it's like, you know, and I, had, it, it, didn't. I didn't even blink an eye. This is what we do all, all the time, you know. And he thought that was the greatest thing. So I mean, it's changed over the years, but it's, uh, it's, it's funny that people don't, you know, realize what all goes on before a game, at our, you know. It, for various different things and you know that's that's unique opportunity you have you know obviously not not everybody have high school equipment people it's not unique opportunity you have to do it for the kids and it's really special and and you know you say they appreciate it but you know in until they get to maybe you know if they go on and play somewhere maybe they don't maybe the next place they play won't do that for them and you're right it is a it is your time to shine you, you get you get there and you get everything done and and there's panic sometimes and and things like that but it's at the end when they walk in and you know for for us it's it's at our level it's you know if things aren't set up it's, it's a different thing but you know it's it's sort of taken for granted for it now but uh, you know obviously when when especially freshmen walk in and they see it all done anymore it, it's it's you know yeah it's it's pretty special
1: oh mm-hmm. it's 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 why i do it 100 percent and to kind of you know to kind of touch again on the travel aspect of it i travel primarily with um football and hockey just because they're the most equipment intensive sports needs in terms of gameplay and whatnot and so when we when i know we're going on the road the first thing i always do is i always try and get in touch with the venue that we're going to play at whether it be the athletic director or if it's like a just a regular uh community rink or whatnot, if it were hockey. And I find out what the locker room access is going to be and how soon I can get in because anytime that I can go ahead and set up on the road, uh, I will, I'll pack up uniforms along with the gear. Cause I always travel separate from the team and take everything that we would need as far as gear wise, equipment wise. And I do that myself, but if I can get ahead and do the locker room, it's great. Sure. And it typically doesn't happen during the football season, but with hockey, Hockey is a little bit different because they get a little bit more downtime before they play their game. And so I know I'll, I'll show up to the rink and it might be four hours from game time. And I'll look at the rink people and say, can I get a locker room? I'm going to Detroit Country Day. And they look at me like, you're not playing for four hours. And I say, yeah, you know, I'm the equipment <laughs> manager. I want to set things up. And they kind of they just give you that weird look. And I'll go in and I'll do a locker room setup. So the guys, like you said, they get off the bus, they come in and everything's set up for them or whatnot. And it's just, it's, it, it's really, really special. And there's times I've been up against the clock where it's, I got there a half hour before the team.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh crap.
1: What can I do in yeah. a half hour? So you're running in yeah. panicking. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter to them. They've come into the room and I've apologized before to whether it be my football team or whatever. I've said, guys, I'm sorry. I don't have the room set up. And they're like, are you kidding? You're fine, Matt. Like, relax. It's not a big deal. <laughs> like we really appreciate it. And so I don't know, but it's just, it's, it's what I want to do. It's what I like to do. And so, you know, if you compare it to a college sense, uh, like I said, I, I, I see all these different setups that colleges do, and I just think, oh, man, gosh, wouldn't it be great to have that luxury to go and have the room for a whole, like, you know, you get to go a day ahead of time and get to set things yeah. up, and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I it's it's what I try to do with what I've got, so to speak.
0: From an outside perspective, it's really interesting to think about the, Mental aspect that probably has on like the kids. I would think that that would really help them play better because it gets them in like a more, I don't know, sport mindset. Maybe that's probably not quite correct, but sure.
1: Well, you're you're exactly right. Um, I mean that that that's I think the whole premise as to why we do it as equipment managers. Not just obviously it looks great, but you can come in. You know that uh, your helmet is there, your shoulder pads are there, your cleats are there, your gloves are there, your stick is there, your you know, what, whatever it is. It's just organized, and you can focus on just the task at hand, which is preparing and playing for the game. You don't have to be. It, it's it's our job as the equipment just to run around panicky and be like, okay, you got this, and we got this, and we got this, and we got that. Whereas, uh, you know, as an athlete, you have already got, depending on whether it's the first game of the year or the championship game, you know, you you've got emotions uh, and you've got you know nerves and you've got all these things that you're thinking about and so like i always said it's one less thing that you have to worry about it's just you can come in and you know i've had we've had some athletes who have moved on from country day like i said this is my fourth year so i've had a couple kids who have moved on and now they're playing uh, up at the next level and um i if they come back or they stay in touch with me i always am curious I'm like oh so what's what's your equipment manager like what's your guys setup like and you know uh there have been a couple of kids who have said Ah, oh, we have an equipment person but they don't really do anything like we got spoiled when we were you know. and i'm like well you know I'm, I'm, they do a lot don't say that they do it no but they don't set up the locker room and this and that and i'm like well you know that's that's there's that's them this is me you know it's what that's. so when i hear that it makes me uh feel good to know that oh okay what i was doing did have an effect and they did appreciate it and they do miss it mm-hmm.
0: ellie i'd be interested to hear like have you served under any coaches that, you know, have an opinion on how the locker room gets set up and and stuff on that collegiate level?
2: No, not really. I mean, they just, uh, you know, they want it done, and so they have no problem with us what we do. You know, they might want something extra done, but that's, you know, that's that's the same for, you know, any coach in any sport. You know, they all have their own own little quirks, but usually if they, they want their own little thing, you know, if they want their own little touch at you know, we do we just add it to the mix it's really you know some people want music playing when the people walk in, some people don't you know it's just little quirks or coaches you know it's it's not a big deal they nobody nobody really you know as long as it's there and set up that's all they really want, okay, we might have to put up a sign or a thing like this or something like that, but that's that's really you know they just want it done they just want the job done at the end,
0: okay. Yeah, different coaches don't have, like, an opinion on, I guess, like, maybe locker placement and what that does to the, like, locker room dynamic about, like, where to put players and and such like that.
2: Well, I mean, in the home locker room, the everyday locker room, they they sometimes will want something specific. But usually, in, in a way, locker rooms, because you never know what you're getting from time to day, you know, for basically football, it, it's... You know, try to keep offense and defense separated as much as possible and, and things like this. It's, you know, they're not as picky in a way, rooms, will say, because sometimes you know there's just no way, there's no chance. You know, it just because what you're dealt with. I mean, shoot, sometimes we have to double up lockers because there won't be enough lockers available. So it, it is what it is on away games. You make the best of the situation.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, you got to get you definitely got to get creative sometimes with the space you're given. And it it I know me personally it'll drive me nuts because I'll look at it and I'll go oh geez that just doesn't look good. But it's not a matter of looking good. <laughs> Everybody needed needed a hook or needed a stall or needed a whatever, right. and that that's what's most important. So
2: right. You purchase those three M hooks that stick on the wall, and they come in they, they come in handy quite a bit. You get some name tags so they know who's you know print some name tags out so they know who. to, you know where you're at, and uh, but yeah, sometimes you get thrown into unique situations in away games. Mm-hmm. You know, more than once I've been had, had my makeshift equipment room in the shower with the trainers, and the, you know because that's the only other place left to have any sort of room. The, the good thing is sometimes we can. Well, we did it once this past year once we brought, brought the semi in, but we did it a couple times before the trailer. Sometimes just to free up space in the locker room, we've moved the equipment room into the trailer into the trailer. Or things like that. And, and you know, now that we've got the semi, we actually had uh, one, of our, one of our games this year, we actually had the training room and the equipment room in the in the semi-trailer. And it worked out fine. It was a smaller locker room. And, you know, by doing that, that freed up room and gave us a little space and gave up a little more room for the coaches and things like that. It, it was still a tight tight spot, but at least we weren't in there taking up space.
1: Well, and I would I would say that's probably one of the biggest challenges I have when I do go on the road. Uh, hockey is the one that I take the majority of the equipment, and um, I do the skate sharpening for hockey. And so uh-huh. we have a skate sharpener for we have a skate sharpener for home, and we have one for away. And so I always try and get skates done ahead of time, so I don't have to do skates when we get to the rink or whatnot. Because a lot of times we're jammed in a tiny little hallway, or you know, there's 25 uh-huh. guys on the roster, and the rooms are big enough to fit 10, and I still have to try and also you know set up some like a you know area for the guys to take their sticks or me to uh, sharpen skates or whatnot but uh you right. know there's been a just this last year we went on a weekend tournament and i wasn't able to take my own equipment uh van or, or excuse me vehicle and so i we packed everything up in the bus or whatnot and the venue we were playing at was really really small we were working have space and so i got up in the morning and started sharpening skates in the hotel uh <laughs> the laundry area because i knew yeah. that was going to be the only thing and then of course the hotel staff came by and said hey you know you can't do this and so then i moved outside and i mean still probably i'll never I'll, something i'll carry with me forever i remember you know what's some two hours before we're heading over to go play the hockey game. And I'm outside in hat and mittens sharpening skates in the, uh, in one of the outside entrances, because I knew once we got to the rink, there was going to be absolutely no room for me to sharpen. So, right. You know, like you say, you, you get creative, you think on your feet and you
2: work with what you've got. Yep. Get the job done. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the issue window, like the, thank Matt for being with us today
1: yeah thank you it's been a lot of fun for me really good time it's been good to have you Matt
0: until next time I hope everybody listening stay safe and stay sane and we'll catch you back here later bye
1: yeah See
0: Yeah. Ya. See ya.